Welcome to The Real Spiel with Ryan and Kurt. Let's get real about the value proposition of commodities. Um, we're looking at commodities up by most uh, benchmarks. Uh, they're up about 100% since their pandemic lows. That's commodities broadly. And meanwhile, stocks and bonds are both down simultaneously as of late. It comes up often in our conversations, Kurt. Is it too late to think about you know commodities um, as an investable asset class? Uh, or are there still some tailwinds for returns? I mean, uh, we all suffer from recency bias. We've seen this big run-up in commodities, but really the decade prior, commodities largely did a, a whole lot of nothing, and, and, and uh, a lot of investors were burned by commodities in, in the 2010s. Can you talk a little bit about um, kind of the forward-looking return properties for commodities, and is, is it too late to consider um, commodities exposure in diversified portfolios? Yeah, those are good questions, Ryan. I mean, I, I think that history can be a good guide or a helpful guide for us. It's true in the 2010s, I mean, stocks went up 300 to 400%, depending on whether you're looking at the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ or other benchmarks. And that was largely a global phenomenon. So if you're invested in Asia or in Europe or elsewhere, you know, or emerging markets, you, you did really well during the 2010s. That was a strange period, though, because we had all of this government intervention in terms of very, very low interest rates, accommodative, you know, fiscal policy, um, printing of money, quantitative easing, where governments in the UK, Europe, US were buying financial assets to create better financial conditions. That that is not the norm, right? That's not like a level playing field for investable assets. Meanwhile, that created a real headwind for commodities. We had very low inflation um, and generally low returns during the, the 2010s. If we turn that on its head and go back just another 10 years, actually the, the 2000s were a great year for, or a great decade, I should say, for commodities. And, you know, a challenged environment for uh, stocks, because if you recall, right after 2000, we had a significant um, downdraft in equity returns when the Internet bubble broke, um, you know, going back 20 years. And that created uh, sort of a challenging decade of returns for equities. If we go even back further, Ryan, just look at the big picture. If you look at 150 years of returns, the returns to stocks and the returns to commodities are actually quite similar. Um, above inflation, what we call a risk premium, they tend to re return about 7% or so. And they tend to do so with roughly a mid-teens volatility, something in the you know 15% range. So over 150 years, when you adjust returns for volatility, something that's called sharp ratio, S-H-A-R-P-E, we find the sharp ratio to equities is 0.38 and the sharp ratio to commodities is 0.39. So basically statistically identical. And yet we know coming out of the 2010s, it was a very challenging environment for commodity returns and an extraordinary environment for stocks and for bonds. So what's happened now? Well, we've seen in 22 that, you know, by and large stocks are down north of 20% um, through the end of Q3, bonds are down about 15%, and commodities are largely up about 15%. Um, 
Um, so we've seen this role reversal. One of your questions was, is, is it too late? Did I miss the boat? I, I think to that point, I would argue, well, number one, there's a number of reasons to be intrigued about um, supply chain disruptions, imbalances to supply and demand, um, and inflation that are very positive for commodities going forward. And I think that those create challenges for the equity and financial markets, including bonds. Um, that said, I, I would also argue that it's not um, it's not a great job to have to try to to try to predict where markets will be in three or six or twelve months. And I think a much more valuable engagement of your time is to think about how to diversify and how to take um, into account different risk and return streams um, that will immunize you from unexpected outcomes. We don't know if um, we're going to be thrown into a global recession or, you know, God help us, a depression. We don't know if interest rates are going to keep going up, uh, if inflation will keep going up, if it'll come down. But when I think about financial market allocators, the job is is less about trying to forecast with a crystal ball where markets will be in six or 12 months. And what's much more important is to allocate smartly across a spectrum of attractive um, assets that are liquid and accessible to you that diversify your outcome. That's why investors don't typically invest 100% into the stock market. They invest into stocks and bonds. Over the last, call it two to three decades, we've seen an, you know, an, an embrace of something I will call the endowment model. It was kind of um, promoted and, and popularized by um, David Swenson at Yale that said, you know, going beyond the 60-40 stock bond portfolio, you can invest into um, developed, you know, U.S. markets, but you can also invest into small cap U.S. markets or value markets. You can invest into developed Europe, into developed Asia. You can invest into frontier and emerging markets. And, and if you're if you're Yale or an institutional investor, you might use something called private equity, which is another form of equity. What all of those things have in common, though, is that they're all equity of one flavor or another. On the fixed income side, rather than just buying long-term government bonds, you might buy um, shorter duration instruments. You might buy high yield in the U.S. You might buy um, corporate or government debt in Europe or in Asia or in emerging markets. You might buy structured credit um, or, or um, you know, collateralized loan obligations, sometimes generated through the issuance of, of, of and creation of private equity. All of those, however, are bonds or fixed income of one form or another. And we know looking at the data that in 22, all of those collectively have gone down um, while commodities have gone up. And um, it's true that commodities have done well in this kind of nine-month period, Q3 of 22, while stocks and bonds have been challenged it's natural to ask oneself, well, did I miss the boat? You know, so there was a good trade to do say nine or 12 months ago, but I missed it. And I would argue 
that um, actually that's not the task. The task is to identify um, assets that diversify, offer a positive risk premium, and can help your portfolio. And commodities tend to be, and real assets broadly, including you know MLPs, um, energy infrastructure assets, natural resource equity assets, and I would include liquid commodity futures. Um, th- those all tend to be very underrepresented in portfolios today. Uh, I think in allocators and investors really have to take a hard look and understand that you know the future is uncertain. It's one of the things one of the things that's hard about predicting the future is that you don't know what's going to happen, and that's not really your job. And the best thing you can do is try to diversify, um, identify those value added. Um, portfolio um, instruments that will diversify your portfolio. Um, when bonds and stocks zig, you want to have something that will zag. I think commodities have shown that here in 22, and I think they'll provide that utility going forward. And, you know, I encourage any of our podcast listeners to reach out directly to you and I, Ryan, uh, if, if there's something uh, to follow up question where we can help illuminate something, add value, um, that's something that we can do uh, one-on-one with anyone uh, when when convenient for them. Absolutely. And we'd love to hear your feedback, any questions you have, topics that you'd like covered. Uh, we can be reached at the real spiel at uscfinvestments.com. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week.